the sky now that's love And welcome to Better Than the Movie. I'm Jeanette, she is Tamika, and we are here talking books. Hi, everybody. So, I just um, want to thank you guys. Hello. Uh, yeah, go ahead. I just want to thank everybody who has listened to the podcast so far. Um, I'm really excited about the response because I totally didn't expect it. I thought it would just be us <laughs> looking our own links and looking, listening to our own podcast over and over again. So thank you. Um, to everyone who's listened so far and spread the word. So uh, today we have a special guest in the Honeycomb Hideout. Um, she is friend of the show um, and author <laughs> of um, where? What are you at? Ten books now, Christina? Yes, the last one was number ten. Yeah, um, our friend of the show, Christina Jones. She writes. Uh, contemporary romance and romance suspense. Uh, would you say, go ahead. Would you say that's the right description? I have questions about that, but I'll save them for later. Okay. <laughs> what was that, Christina? I'm ready. Can you guys okay. hear me? Okay? Yeah, we yeah. hear you. All right. So um, I guess we can just jump right in and talk a bit about your writing process. Um, and how you uh, started as a writer. Um, writing, well, I'll probably started how I started as a writer. Um, I've been writing for a really, really long time since I was a kid. Um, I think I've probably told this story pretty often, but um, back in high school, I had a horrible, horrible, looking back on it, oh my God, it was so horrible, book quote unquote that I wrote in a green um in a green three prong folder with notebook paper and I wrote it out and I passed it around among my other little high school friends. I grew up in a small town so it wasn't you know, it wasn't just a lot of us. Mm -hmm. But that was my first, I guess, published <laughs> published um work. And it was horrible. I cannot stress enough how horrible it was. But um I was sixteen and I had just read Fly Girl. And <laughs> oh, Omar. <laughs> so, you know, I was, you know, Tracy had me thinking I was grown. So that was that. Um, and from there, I moved on to college, which I am terrible at. Um, but I was really, really good in my English courses. And I pretty consistently got excellent feedback from my English professors. Um, about my writing, and I say um a lot. I probably should take some public speaking classes. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Just fair warning, but um, there it is again. But anyway, I left college that first time without a degree, um, and I went back. And when I went back a year ago, two years ago, something like that, it was recent. I consistently got the same feedback again because I had to start I had to start completely over because I screwed up the first time because um, I just stopped going to class but anyway that's the whole other story but I was getting good feedback again from my writing professor um, and it just kind of it, it sparked a love of it again but obviously I wasn't writing fiction for the writing professors it was you know the basic writing classes that you have to take to get out of the first year of college. Right. So I wasn't, you know, I wasn't writing fiction or anything like that. But it did 
it did spark that. And so I, I really I really don't know what made me put put down the first words for love and other things, but that was that was where I started. That was the first project and I wrote and wrote and I didn't know what the heck I was doing, but I <laughs> but I wrote it down anyway and and I put it out there anyway and it it actually got a good response. And I just kind of went from there. It was a feeling of that, that oh, my God, they like me. They really, really like me. <laughs> <laughs> Where, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't expecting, I wasn't expecting it at all. I just thought, hey, you know, I wrote this, you know, I'm going to go ahead and have the courage to put it out there. And some, it actually, you know, it actually sparked something good. But, and that, that's where I started from. That was first project that was, a year and two months ago, mm-hmm. it really feels like much longer ago than that. But when I think, you know, thinking about how how short of a time it actually was, is honestly kind of crazy to think about sometimes. But as far as writing process, I have none. Uh, <laughs> I don't have a writing process. What I actually do is horrible. But um, I just. Honestly, I just get it in where I fit in. Um, I get up in the morning. Um, I'm outside of writing. I'm a stay-at-home mom. And so I get up in the morning whenever my two-year-old comes screaming down the hall at me and throws a cup of in, in my face and says, Mommy, cereal, not cereal, cereal, <laughs> and milk. And I get up and I fix my kids' breakfast. And then while they're eating breakfast, I try to sit down and write and Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, and that's kind of how I spend my day between doing things with them, fixing endless snacks all day for a five-year-old and a two-year-old. Mm-hmm. My day is spent trying to write. Um, and then once my husband gets home from work, he's very, 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 very good about you know I'm, me saying, hey, dinner is ready, y'all eat. I'm coming back to the writing cave, and I shut myself in a room and try to write for another few more hours. And sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't, um, because by that time I'm tired and my brain is frazzled and all of that. And then everybody goes to bed, and for some strange reason, <laughs> that is that's the sweet spot. That's the spot where you know I can be up from. 11 o'clock at night until 3 o'clock in the morning, but I'll knock out 4,000 words, and I don't know where they came from. (laughs) Like, a lot of times, I'll read the stuff that I wrote at 2 o'clock in the morning, and I'm like, I've never seen this before in my life. (laughs) Where did this come from? And can can I just say that, um, full disclosure, we, uh, Jeanette and... Christina and myself and um, a few other people are part or were part of a writing group and Jeanette, um, Christina, I'm sorry, (laughs) she is not really giving herself enough credit when I say that the stuff that she turns in from day to day, like I don't even, like I can't even fathom because I did the stay-at-home mom thing. I can't even fathom the, the, the discipline, the type of discipline it takes to fit those, like take those, you know, few peaceful moments you have in and do a little bit and then do a little bit and then stay up at night and turn out what you turn out. And when she says 4,000 words, I mean, that's not an exaggeration. It is 
amazing. I remember getting emails from you. I'm like, how is she writing this fast and this well? <laughs> and so I am just in awe of, I think I asked, I've asked you this a million times before. When do you do this? Like, how do you even do this? But I, I think it would have to take um, a desire and a passion maybe that I don't have, <laughs> but most people don't have. But can you talk a little bit more about that? Like what drives you and where do you get your ideas from? Um, ideas come from come from everywhere. Like it can be I can be watching TV. I can see a commercial. Like the other day I saw a commercial where it was everybody preparing for a wedding. It was, you know, they showed the bachelorette party, just little clips. They showed the bachelorette party and they I think they showed someone talking to the little boy who was gonna be the ring bearer you know, preparing him, you know, this is how you walk down the aisle. And the commercial ended up being for something like stroke medicine. <laughs> 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 crazy. But it was like that commercial was like, I think I want to do something like that. Mm -hmm. You know, or, you know, the story maybe isn't even really about the people who are getting married, but it's about, you know, the relationships of the people surrounding them. You know, this maybe this single mom who, you know, that's her son that's going to be the ring bearer and all these women they're at this bachelor party but they don't know that one of the women's husband you know is sleeping with the bride to be hey. <laughs> now I don't I don't know if that's what I was actually going to do but that you know if that just kind of that's where my head took it all from okay. a um but as far as, and that you know that can it can be a commercial I can be my one of my kids can say something crazy. Well, everything the two year old says is crazy. Right on. And then <laughs> the five year old, like she, you know, she says things or I can be at the grocery store and two people interacting with each other and it can spark something. Just different little things like that. But um as far as passion, um I've I've loved writing since I was since I was young. I've loved reading and writing and I think more that what what drives me to write for public consumption is a desire to see brown people in love, you know, and we we don't have to be and not that it, not that anything is wrong with this type of book if this is the type of you know if this is the genre that you like, but you know we don't have to be drug dealers and we don't have to be you know. We don't, we, and we also don't have to be CEOs of multi-million companies. It's like it doesn't have to be one end of the spectrum or the other. Right. Normal black people, you know, falling in love every day. You know, your mechanic is falling in love. Your banker is falling in love. And I see a lot of people say, you know, I don't, I don't read black romance. Or I don't read black books. And I see, I don't, I don't know. And this. This is probably controversial, and I keep myself from having this rant pretty daily. Well, this is the place to <laughs> let your rants away. Let those rants fly. <laughs> but it's like I see, um, I see a lot of we we need diverse books. We need diverse books. We're we're out here, you know. Hey, welcome, welcome home. That's the awful word. <laughs> welcome but it's home. Like, other, you know, in other black indies, it's like we're we're out here, and I feel like we're getting, I feel like we get overlooked. 
um, for the sake of, I don't want to say that we get overlooked for the sake of a hashtag, but I feel like I wish that a lot of the people who say we need diverse romance would actually look for the people who are already out here Amen. diverse um, books, writing diverse romance. And, and it's not about, you know, it's not about crack dealers, and it's also not about, you know, rappers, and it's also not about, you know, these big extravagant lifestyles. Like, we're just like white people, you know, write and read that kind of romance. I do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would even push back, because we have had and will have extensive discussion about the We Need, we need Diverse books, and it's funny because you are hitting on a lot, I think, our of the Central, same main points that we've also spoke about. Right, and that and that'll come out to listeners at another <laughs> later date. But we um, we've talked about that, and some of even if you are telling looking for books, even if the story is about um, a drug dealer and a hustler's life and whatever, there are books out there about white people who sell drugs and take drugs, and um, they have been hello <laughs> right. They have been. They have been um, lauded and applauded, and they're on the bestsellers list, and everybody considers it edgy, but it seems like when we tell our stories, it's not, it's trash. And you know what? I'll even, I'll even go so far as to say, it's not even white people that are doing it. There are a lot of black people. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. A lot of black people who complain and rant and rave about diversity in publishing and not getting that chance, but the minute they see something, a book with a black face on it, Mm. It's over. You know what it reminds me of? Mm. It reminds me of how people complain about how shows like Love and Hip Hop and all its different um, forms is just showing us in such a bad light. But then you get a show like Blackish, and like the first episode, everybody was like, oh, this is corny, this is whack, and didn't want to give it a shot, really. But then. You know, it's like you're complaining about this one thing, and then something positive does happen, and when it yeah. does happen, you have nothing but criticism for and it. And then everybody jumped ship when Empire yeah. came on, which is yeah. just mess on mess on mess on mess. So exactly, and it's like you keep saying that you don't want to see us in the street as gangsters, pimps, hoes, all this mess, or you know, you don't want the negative aspects of our lives glorified. Like they crucified those sorority ch- chicks. Oh, girl. Um, and That's got their show off the air after a smooth, like, week and a half. Right. So you do things like that, but then when there's actually quality programming, quality, quote, jeez, oh, I can't talk. Have I been drinking? Quality <laughs> literature, like, you don't want to support that because it doesn't come in the package in which you want to receive it. Or there's the other group of people who will read black writers, but it's got to be this certain... Um, what's the word, certain elk, like those writers who have been recognized by white. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Hold on, let's name them. Morrison, Baldwin, <laughs> it's like if, if, if someone else has put a stamp of approval on it, then you're right in with it. Or I'll so, even push, I'll even go, you know, not that high. End. What about a person like a Jennifer Weiner or um, Emily Giffen? Oh, right. Well, then, of color, but yeah, yeah, I get what you mean. Oh, yeah, yeah, but I'm saying people will more likely give them a chance because, I don't know, because, I mean, black and white will more likely give them a chance than they would give someone like who writes books like Christina um, because Christina's black and her stories about black people. Mm-hmm. And 
Um, I've read all of those things, and I don't see there. I don't see a um, this huge gap in quality of writing. I don't see a huge gap in any of it. I think that honestly, I've read uh, some of Christina's book, and I would say that a lot of your work is right on par with other contemporary fiction writers that I've written, and I'm and I mean that. And I mean I've I've read your very first thing, and maybe your second to last thing, and I just see the the improvement and how much you've uh, grown in your writing and I don't I would put it on the shelf next to to anything else that I have you know so I don't understand why we do that and um, I'm glad you touched on that but we totally you know so go back to what you were saying <laughs> to your rant yeah what I was saying <laughs> you were saying about the weaning diverse hashtag and that the people uh, that those writers are out there and those books are out there. Absolutely, and we're um, I'm I'm connected with many of those um, with many of those black indie authors, and we're it's it's not a small group of us. And I would I won't even speak on just indies, a whole heap ton of you mm -hmm. know of even traditionally published. And I'm speaking I'm speaking strictly regarding romance because that's you know that's that's my the world in which you live. neighborhood. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, you know, that, and so that's what I'm speaking about. But there's a lot of us out there. And so it just kind of strikes me as I, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm skirting the edge of what I really want to say. And so I won't say that. I will speak for myself. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just speak for myself. Um, I have unequivocally no interest in writing for a mainstream, a mainstream audience, I write books about black people for black people. If other people want to read them, that's totally fine. But I have no interest in waving my hand around, waving a flag, waving around balloons to get the attention of a segment of the literary world who has consistently shown that they have no interest in me. Mm -hmm. I don't mm -hmm. want to be somewhere where I'm not wanted. Right. right. So I will write for the people who, <laughs> you know, show me, show me that love, who, you know, I will write for the people who want to read what I'm putting out. I'm not going to, you know, I, I just, I have no interest in that. I have no problem with tagging my books in the African-American section on Amazon because mm -hmm. that's, they're they're about African American people, and I mean I I don't know I'm, I'm that's only me speaking for myself. You know I've I know that a lot of other authors you know they have this thing where you know they they don't they don't want to be categorized into the African American section. They want to be you know they want to be out there with everybody, and I think that that's fine. I'm not saying that I don't want to be out there with everybody. I'm saying that I'm not going to quote unquote beg for it because I see no reason for that. You know, for me, black people that that's that's the black women are the people who are buying my books. Black women are the ones who are supporting me. Black women are the ones who are showing me love. And I'm not going to I'm not going to beg for the accolades of anyone else. If they want to see me, they will. And I don't want to try to think of <laughs> Trying to think of the right word for Take what your I time because <laughs> you're preaching, <laughs> you are preaching. No, I'm, I'm, I mean I'm just saying like again I'm 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 just speaking for me, 
And I know, and, well, I'm not just speaking for me. I know other authors who, who mm -hmm. feel this way. But I, I don't want to seem like I'm bashing anyone who does feel like, you know, hey, I, I need to see my book in the hands of, of this person or that person in order to feel like I've made it. I'm not bashing anybody, you know, for what their dream is. I'm just saying that for me, I'm satisfied with the support of the people who have been supporting me. And those people typically have brown skin in a varying range of shades. Amen. Come on. <laughs> Amen. Come on. I'm so conflicted right now because um, we honestly, we have touched on this and we will touch on, we, this whole topic is just so on time. So I'm just like, I don't want to keep repeating myself, mm -hmm. but I'm so glad that you're saying these things because we know it's not just me and her bitching on her podcast. I've literally been over here biting my tongue the entire time to not repeat the statements that I've made. It's like, okay, hey, we're all on the same page here. You get us, we get you. But there's, do you think, okay, so you are in tapped with, I imagine, that you, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're in tap with, or in touch with other writers who self-publish um, um, in your genre. Yeah. And so what do you find, like your personal challenges, but then also just general challenges of, of trying to get published? I, I assume, and I'm saying that with the assumption that you have tried to get published, um, but if you haven't, can you speak to just kind of what publishing is telling uh, writers of color, especially black writers in, in your genre in particular? As far as traditional publishing? Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, well, that's the thing. I've, I, I would say that I've never really, quote unquote, tried to be traditionally published. Um, last year in April, I think, um, a very popular romance, um, romance publisher hosted a contest and a pitching contest and I I pitched the book and my pitch was selected and I immediately freaked out um, after <laughs> after my pitch was selected um, and it just put a huge 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 amount of pressure on me and I ended up backing out and I still wrote the book still published the book um, I, I self-published the book and a couple of months later that company reached out to me again and I was a little more leery than I was um, when when I when I went to them, you know, and entered their contest. And the reason that I was leery is because I had learned a little bit more. Um, I had my readership had grown. I had gained a little bit more success. Um, I had gotten my first royalty check that looked like anything. So <laughs> I was, you know, things things were a little bit different. They actually emailed. I was actually on. A cruise. I was on a cruise ship when I, <laughs> when I got the email, and that, and that that has nothing to do with it. Well, <laughs> it paints a good picture. I just got me a fresh check. I was on a cruise. I was on a cruise. <laughs> when I got people now. So. It wasn't like that at all. Like I'm, I'm not because <laughs> trust me, it wasn't that good. Um, it was just vacation time. So, you know, I'm in. Puerto Rico, I think, and I'm so excited because they've um, they've they've emailed me say hey saying hey you know we're looking for some fresh faces in our quote unquote African American line, um, and that's just what I'm calling it. Okay, cultural is probably more accurate um, in our multicultural line, and you know we see that you have you know you're getting some momentum. We want you to write for us. So I was like, okay, cool. And, but I was cautious. 
And um, what I very quickly discovered is that, in my opinion, they really did not want to work with me because I would assume that someone who wanted to work with me would have been a little timelier, you know, with 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 actually responding to me, with responding to my emails, letting me know what they thought about, you know, the ideas that I was presenting for the series that they asked me to write. They wanted me to do a three book series, and I just wasn't getting the editor that they put me in touch with was not responsive at all. It would go by a week or two would go by with no response. And so I reached out to a couple of other authors, you know, and asked. I didn't give any specifics. I just asked, you know, is that is that normal? I actually I actually reached out to a couple of other authors who worked with them, and they were like, oh, girl, it takes them a month to get back to me, and I'm already under contract. Wow. And I'm like, what the hell? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and to me, the reason that I told that I told that story is because I don't understand how you can reach out to me and ask me to come on and write for you, and I can't even get a response to an email. You know, like, I just, and, and to me, it says a lot about, about how publishing views authors. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because to me, if, if your editors are so busy for this billion, well, maybe not billion, I may be exaggerating, multi-million dollar company mm-hmm. at the very if your editors are so busy that the people who are making you money, because trust me, the authors aren't making it, the company is making it, um, the people who are making you money, if it's taking you a month, two weeks, to respond to a correspondent, mm-hmm. respond to an email, that's a problem. And I don't even know that that's specific to, you know, to, to black women or black people or, you know, people of color in publishing. That's a problem, period. That doesn't make to me, and that really soured me. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm out of, and this is probably just my own, you know, pickiness. I don't like for you to take forever to respond to an email from me. Like that, we're we're too connected these days for it to. Like that's just that's just a lot to me, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. And it soured me to the experience. Like if you're not going to value my time. Then I, I I don't I'm then I'm not interested. You know, you go on these publishers' websites and you see that when you you, know, you submit something to them, you have to wait four to six months for a response. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's ridiculous to me. And then when you look at the numbers on the number of people who who who, who the number of manuscripts that actually get read, I think it's somewhere like five percent of your five percent of the manuscripts the editors receive actually get read and it just really it seems more than anything to me like dumb luck is yeah. what I'm is what I'm is what I'm starting to notice. Um it there doesn't seem to be any particular formula for who ends up a best selling author with you know with a with a movie budget behind them. Um I'm not naming any names. Okay. Um, in about two weeks a very, very big movie <laughs> is <laughs> going to be coming to theaters on Valentine's Day. It may or may not involve someone um someone yep. Yep. <laughs> I'm sure yep. pretty sure everyone knows how everyone knows the movie that I'm talking about. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> um and I've I've not read the books that these that this movie is based on and so I can only I can only speculate based on what I've heard, but I've heard many, many times over from from all different spectrums of people that the book about the quality of writing in the book, and 
and they're not good things. <laughs> but you know what? That's not even shady because the author herself has said that she's not a good writer. Like, she said I can... <laughs> yeah, she said I guess I could improve on my <laughs> writing. She said she's not a good writer. Um, and, hey, I've never read it. I tried. I I couldn't. I tried audiobook. <laughs> I couldn't do it. It was that bad. Have you read it? Yeah. Um, I absolutely refuse to read it. <laughs> um, twofold. Mm -hmm. One, because um, it was born of fan fiction, and okay. I have a thing with fan fiction. Okay. Um, and two, because I'm not going to read terrible smut. Right. I don't read good smut, but yeah. I don't read <laughs> terrible smut. I hear you. I hear you. Well. I get that. I, I, that is a phenomenon that I don't understand um, because, but yeah, let's go back to you. So <laughs> <laughs> when you're talking about the quality of writing and having, um, I get what you're saying. I think a lot of people would agree that there doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason to what books get a ton of accolades and get marketed and get pushed by the publishing houses because it's not it has nothing to do with quality of writing it has nothing to do with uniqueness of story and i'm saying that as a reader have um, you guys, sorry uh, not to but have you guys ever read um the book the tipping point by malcolm gladwell i've yes okay so he talks about this phenomenon of essentially um things just coming in waves mm -hmm. so um it's just some things just hit at the right time and that's the point where it's just tipping um, mm -hmm. and it takes off like gangbusters. Mm -hmm. um, and I honestly think that there was a, um, for, for people who only, I'm trying to think of a way to say this without offending people, for people who only buy their books from the grocery yes. store, Walgreens, okay. or Walmart, Mm -hmm. um, there is like there hadn't been a big like ooh we gotta read this type book yeah. uh, in quite a while which is why I think that so um, wasn't YA yeah mm -hmm. yeah um, so that's why I think people were like cause it well whatever also, I, but I push back on that even because I, I mean the color thing obviously like I'm sorry but if I had wrote that book and it was about me and somebody that looked like me Whoa. and somebody that looked like my husband nobody would listen, be even listen to how, think about how many years it took for Addicted to come to the movie theaters yes like yeah, Addicted wrote, came out like 15 years ago or something I was in high school when I read Addicted so. yeah yeah <laughs> it, <laughs> and we've said this before now, I've read Zane books, and I tried to read this other book, and hey, Zane is not that bad compared to, <laughs> I mean, she's not. I'm the, the quality of writing, it's like, you know, night and day. And so it's not because her books, I mean, this is the first person to ever introduce erotical or bondage or whatever, but it's because it was white characters and possibly the fan fiction. I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know, but um when people talk about that being the smash hit erotica, like there was an erotica before, right. or it, it, it's strange. It's strange. You can't do anything but chalk that up to color. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> because yeah. no other... Because I could see if it actually had some artistic merit, but it doesn't. Oh, God. The audio... I think, oh, I think that all books have artistic merit to their proper audience. Mm. I 
<laughs> and I and I very much to their proper audience, you know. Um, and that that's why I stopped. That's why I, you know, was kind of stopped stopping short on speaking to the quality of it because I've not read it, and so mm-hmm. I can't, you know, I don't feel comfortable making that, you know, make, making statements on it. Right. But, um, but you guys already kind of hit on on where I was going with that. Um, there doesn't seem to be really any rhyme or reason. It just kind of has to get in front of the right person. The right people have to, you know, have to talk about it, and then you're on from there. But which makes, um, which I, I I answered some interview questions for um, for for a book blogger, and I think that this was one of her interview questions where she asked me. Um, if there was kind of a stigma against self-published authors versus traditionally published authors. Mm -hmm. And I absolutely believe that there is, Mm -hmm. but the previous points that we were just making is why I think that it's absolutely ridiculous because what what you should never for for even a moment do is assume that an author is self-published because they couldn't hack it in the publishing industry. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not, and and, and I mean, don't get me wrong, I know that there are many, many people who, you know, their dream is I, I want to see my book, you know, in a bookstore. I want to be able to walk into, you know, walk into Walmart or, you know, mm-hmm. you know, the other like Walmart or Target or Kroger. I don't know. My Kroger sells books. If you got, I don't even know if you guys have Kroger, but anyway, it's a grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I want to be able to walk into one of those places and see my book on the shelf. And I understand that, but it's like at the same time, I... I, I I don't I don't like this kind of idea that you know that in order to quote unquote make it as as an author you have to be signed with a big publishing house or you have to you know you you have to be under one of the big five I think it's is it six or five I think it's five but it, the big publishing houses mm-hmm. and I I don't I don't know I do kind of get the impression that people feel like. Oh, she's self-published, and so the quality must not have been there. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with quality. Um, I, I'm, oh, obviously, I feel like I still have room to grow. I would be silly to not feel like I still have room to grow as an author, but I'm, I'm confident in my work, and it's, it's, it's not quality. It's not, it has nothing to do, you know, with, with the, oh, well, Christina wasn't good enough, so that's why she's not, that's why she's not traditionally published. It has nothing to do with this whole other list of amazing indie authors that, you know, that I know personally some, and some not personally, but I'm a big time admirer of their work. It has nothing to do with, well, our books weren't good enough because we've got receipts. We've got, you know, we, we're, we're, we're hitting those, you know, those lists on it. And maybe they are just lists on Amazon, a quote unquote, just lists on Amazon. But I mean, Amazon has, 300,000 books or 200,000 books, however many books. There's a lot of freaking books on Amazon. Mm-hmm. And when one of my books hits 1,200 out of 300, 200,000 in the overall Amazon store, I'm, <laughs> I'm right. pretty oh. And I didn't get to that place with trash. <laughs> you know what I mean? I didn't yeah. get to that place with, with, with crappy writing. Do I have room to grow? Yes, obviously. I think that all writers have room to grow. I think that if you don't think you have room to grow, you're probably, 
I'm, I'm going to leave that one there. But <laughs> I think that it, I think that all writers have room to grow. So it's not, you know, it's not me, you know, trying to seem arrogant or anything like that. But I'm absolutely confident in what I or I, or I wouldn't do it for public consumption. I would absolutely still do it, but I wouldn't do it for public consumption. Um, I just I have I have a problem with the idea that you know that that a traditionally published author is better than an indie author strictly for the fact that they got in front of the right that they that they ended up on the right desk that their name ended up on the right desk. I get that. I, I'm starting to feel that way. Um, and I keep going back to the color thing, y'all, and y'all just have to forgive me, but I'm one of those people that I do the math sometimes in my head in this case um, when I'm talking about doing the math for and I'll just I won't even go into all the other realms let's just stick to books when we're when we're talking about why this and why not that why this author and why not that author why hell this book blog and not that one why not this podcast and you know what I mean when you're doing that and you look and you put the elements together side by side and all things being equal it's the same thing or better but this one has uh, a publishing deal and they are on the shelves at Target and this one doesn't or this one is you know featured all over the place in Entertainment Weekly and this one isn't whatever that might look whatever you know format we're talking about but I'm rambling but I'm trying to say that I do think that the color thing just plays a role when we talk about, and I'll go back to the We Need Diverse Books thing a little bit. When we talk about um, people not uh, really seeing it for people who self-publish or thinking that they are not as good at writing or that the quality of their work isn't there, um, we, uh, when people are talking about they can't find the books, it's like if you know that um, publishing houses are not, see, are not really uh, giving people of color um, a chance or they're not promoting those writers that they have signed um, and you know that those people are turning to self-publishing why not go dig into Amazon where the self where the people of color are the people of color like yourself who won't play the game anymore or won't play the game period why won't people go to to where you are and I can't help but think that, I mean I mean I know it's not all color because there's white authors that are probably in the same boat but especially with with indie, there is um there 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 is a stigma, and I will admit that it's not based <laughs> it's, it's it's not you know it's not based on one nothing that 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 the, that the quality is lacking you know that the editing isn't good and so on and so forth, and I, I'll I'll admit myself, my first book that I put out was terribly edited. <laughs> um, and that's just because that was, that was just, you know, my own lack of knowledge. I thought that I could do it myself, but I have quickly discovered that um, that it is close to impossible to edit your own book well because you, you know what it's supposed to say, and so your mind will skip over words, and, you know, it'll, you know, it'll, tr- it'll trade what words should be there for a word that isn't there, so on and so forth. And so I, I understand that. I understand, you know, people feeling like, oh, well, they're not edited well. But then I pick up a traditionally published book, and I find errors in that, too. And, you know, I pick up a traditionally published book, and I find crappy crappy writing quality in those, too. And so I think that I think that it's a case of a few bad apples spoiling the bunch. I think that some people may pick up one or two indie books um, and just kind of extrapolate their experience with those one or two books 
to the entire subset of indie authors. And I feel like that's not fair because if just talking about my own reading preferences, I read pretty much exclusively indie these days. Um, and just to go a little further, I read pretty much exclusively black indie these days, African-American romance, African-American women's fiction, because I feel like that's where my dollars are best spent supporting authors who are putting, you know, like when I when I was when I was young, when I was 12, 13, 14 years old, the books in the library that I was reading that I shouldn't have been reading, Eric Jerome Dickey, Omar Tyree, Elian Harris, um, Terry McMillan, Zane, <laughs> all of those, you know, those were available to me. And I want my, you know, when my little girls turn 13, 14 years old and they're reading books that they shouldn't be reading, I want them to be able to read books about black women, about black men, about the black experience, you know, normal black experience, not necessarily, you know, this this extravagant lifestyle, I want them to be able to, which this probably sounds horrible, me talking about wanting my girls to be able to read books that they shouldn't be reading, but that's what sparked my love of reading, and I want them to be able to have that, that same experience, and so I feel like my support, my dollars, you know, if I'm going to spend them, I'm going to spend them on, on representation, because representation matters, and that's just kind of, you know, that's, that's, my own little rant, <laughs> I guess, on that. Um, I think that, you know, I think that is, I think that putting these other authors, you know, not even just myself, putting these other black indie authors on the map and helping their rankings, helping their sales, sharing their books when I can, putting them in front of other people is, I think, you know, where my little hard-earned dollars are best spent. But that, that's a whole other, <laughs> that's a whole other rant, probably. Um, I think that is what everybody who is saying we need diverse books should be doing. Uh, because, let's face it, um, even those who are decrying that we need diverse books and we need more diversity, they still are just relying on people who are already established as being great and not even looking into people who are self-pubbed, who are out here writing excellent fiction and they are just being overlooked because they are self-pubbed. Um, so I absolutely um, applaud you for going to bat for your fellow indie authors as well as, um, you know, trying to trying to help them out a little bit. Uh, okay, so Christina, can you um, speak a little bit about um, some of the stereotypes that are associated with romance um, as a genre, with writers of romance, with readers. Um, and the reason why I ask this question is because uh, a lot of the times people are really hesitant to give romance a shot. <clears throat> um, you know, I ain't calling nobody name out. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, I just wanted you to speak a little bit to those stereotypes and um, how you feel about whether they are true or not? Um, I definitely think that there are um, there are stereotypes of romance genre and the romance authors. Um, one being, you know, that we're usually, you know, single, overweight women sitting, you know, in a lonely apartment or at Starbucks somewhere, something like that. Um, I am overweight, but I'm not single. <laughs> I don't go to Starbucks. Mm -hmm. um, 
but yeah, um, I, I for the most, I'm I'm kidding anyway. I made that up, but <laughs> um, for the most part, just kind of a thing of a romance. You know, it's all it's all sappy and it's not serious. You know, it it has no literary value. You know, to the world or you know to to the publishing world, so on and so forth. And I, I, I it's it's not that I agree. Um, I do think that some romance is sappy. I do think that some romance is silly. But I don't think that those are things that are. I don't. I don't see the problem with that. Um, for for me, I don't see the problem with that. I think that um, I think that romance, um, is it's a part of our lives, whether whether we want it to be or not. It's a part of our lives. You know, looking for it, finding it, losing it. Um, obsessing over it, um, neglecting it, rejecting it. I think that all of it is part of our lives, and I and I don't understand why. Um, I don't understand why it's considered. Oh well, this isn't you know this isn't serious enough, or it's not it's not important. I think that romance is important. Um, I think that human relationships are important. I think that you know, I think that reading about people falling in love, I think that that can be as enriching to your spirit as reading about, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying. Whatever it is I'm reading. <laughs> right. You know, what, whatever whatever else, you know, is on your Kindle or is on, you know, the table beside your bed or your bookshelf. I think that, um, I, I think that, I, I think that it's silly to consider romance too silly to be, you know, to 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 become a part of your reading schedule or however, you know, however you decide to to whatever your process is in deciding whether or not to read a book. But I mean, but on the other note, you know, if you're not interested in romance, you're just not interested in romance. But I don't think that that's a reason to to write off an entire genre as you know as 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 invaluable, well, not invaluable, because that means important, <laughs> um, as unimportant um, to our to our society. Um, and I also think that romance. Um, I think that in and I can I'll credit indie romance with this, um, where we are writing romance that is not um, that's not necessarily quote unquote cupcake romance. And don't get me wrong, I do have some cupcake romance, but um, but I do try to make sure that it's not, you know, just all all sappiness and sex. I try, I said I try. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, I I'll leave whether or not I succeeded that up to you know up up to the reader's taste. But um, there are many many of us, you know, who who write some who write some gritty stuff, who write some very real life stuff, and I think that. I think that anyone who makes a decision to exclude romance from um, from their reading habits, um, I think you're making a mistake. And I say that I, I should give full disclosure that I pretty much exclusively read um, romance and women's fiction because when that and that's just my that's just my personal reading taste. When I read, I want to feel good. Like I I do not want to read about abused children or you know people. People dying. <laughs> I mean, and not not that people can't die in romance, and not that there can't be abused children in romance. But um, I I I like to feel with in the world that we live in now. I want to read something a little bit lighter for my for my personal for my reading for enjoyment. Um, and for me, romance typically fits that bill. And I don't mean um, I don't mean quote unquote stereotypical romance. You know, with the tropes. Of you know the billionaire 
meets the meets the mousy church, you know, meets the mousy church girl and turns her out, or whatever the book that's getting turned into the movie that we were talking about is about. Um, I mean, you know, just just regular people, you know, real life stuff. That's the like that. I, that's the stuff that I like to read. Um, can I? Can I defend myself? <laughs> if I got called out, it's not okay. So I'm gonna speak to some, as someone who might be listening, who says, uh, I don't. Who doesn't read romance on a regular basis? I don't um, not read romance. I just haven't found many romance books that are not uh, formulaic, and it's. I know this is terrible, but it's I, my, I always go into it thinking it's bad enough that I already know how this is going to end more than likely, <laughs> but at least give me some good, you know, conflict in there. And, but the thing is, and I can say, and I'm not just saying that because you're, you're, um, you're yeah. on here, you're our guest today, <laughs> but I will say that, uh, the book with the girl with the red hair, um, chocolate shop. Didn't mean to love you. It's Didn't mean to love you. I read that one. Like, hurry up and send some more pages. I want to see what happens. I really did. And within our writing group, I think that sometimes it will feel like you're not getting any feedback because I wasn't even thinking about critiquing it at that point. I just wanted to know what was going to happen with these people. So in that case, if that's romance, then I guess I do read romance because I would read some more of that. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. But I don't know. I always thought that was along the lines of like how Eric Jerome Dickey's books are. But then Jeanette said that they're not romance. <laughs> Eric Jerome Dickey is not romance. Well, I think that um, Eric Jerome Dickey falls into the contemporary women's fiction where it's it's there's a love story taking place in whatever type of form, but the love story isn't central to the mm. plot. Mm, okay, school me. <laughs> Isn't the central plot, but I think that mine, um, the love story, is is you know the central plot. It's the relationship between these two people, but other stuff is happening too. And someone actually said something to me. I'm trying to find the tweet. A reader actually, and of course I can't find it now. But um, it was it was basically the same thing you said. It's like you already it's it's romance. You know you know what's going to happen. You know boy it's going to get the girl in the end. Well, for the most part, because I know, <laughs> I know a couple. I know a couple of my fellow indies who will, you know, will have you ready to throw your Kindle across the room in a good way, because that's not what happens <laughs> at the end. Um, but anyway, you typically with romance, you know, they're going to end up together in the end. But it's not about you know knowing that they're going to end up together in the end. It's what happens in the in between that makes you know that makes it something different and yes there is a lot of romance that is formulated um, there's even charts that you can find you know this is when this needs to happen this is when this needs to happen um, very <laughs> very specifically with the with the with the publishing company that I mentioned earlier they had they had on their website all this list of rules of you hear a heroine, you know, nobody can get pregnant, nobody can, you know, they both have to have jobs on the up and up, which, I mean, there's no problem with that, really. But, um, you know, they have to have jobs on the up and up, and they have to use a condom every single time, and nobody can move in together until they're married. And there's this whole list of 
stuff, you know, that, that it has to fit into, you know, and if you ask, you know, they, they want you to write about a billionaire and they want, you know, they want her to have to get a makeover halfway through the book and, you know, different little things like that. So there absolutely is that type of romance, but that type of romance doesn't speak for the whole genre. And I would, I would, I would, I would tend to say that if you want to get out of that type of romance, show an indie author some love <laughs> because there are most of us, um, you know, we, we want to break that formula. We don't want, you know, we don't want to have, you know, a sex scene every 50 pages or whatever, you know, whatever you're quote unquote supposed to do. We don't want to have to fit into that. We want to just do what we do. When I write, I typically, I've barely do an outline like I, I the only time I'll sit down and do an outline is when my characters you know I've done something to make them mad which I oh my god I've just made myself sound so crazy <laughs> but um when when I'm not getting a lot from my characters you know then I'll sit down and think out okay this scene came to me before so let me go ahead and figure out where that scene is going to go in you know in the grand scheme of things but I don't even I have the time like I said I'll get up and write at four o'clock in the morning and I don't even know what I wrote down until I read it the next day um, and so there there's no formula going on here <laughs> and I know that you know a lot of my a lot of my indies are the, are the same you know we very much feel like these characters are speaking to us and we're just putting down what they give us if that fits into a formula sometimes, so be it. I'm going to put it down as they give it to me. But for the most part, I'm just a, a conduit. You know, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just the vessel, you know, that, that's, that's putting the words down. It's not my story. I don't, I, I don't make, you know, I don't make the choices. I'm just writing about these real people. And sometimes even with, um, even with like on TV, you know, people, oh, we don't want to see the stereotypes of black people and so on and so forth. I mean, just because that's the stereotype and just because you don't like it doesn't mean that those people don't exist. Just because you don't like the cute, the cute meetup, you know, the cute first meeting boy bumps into girl and she spills her coffee and everybody, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And oh, oh my God, I'm so sorry. You know, just because you don't like it or just because you think it's corny or just because you think it's silly. And this is a general you. <laughs> just, just so that I'm being clear. <laughs> I like love. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I didn't. That's, that's exactly why I made sure to clarify myself because I didn't want to. Say, I didn't. But, um, you, know, just because, you know, it might seem corny or silly to you. There are people who are meeting like that every single day, you know, and so people think that romance, you know, is this fairy tale fantasy, and I just don't. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But again, you know, that's and I said all that, you know, to eventually come around to, you know, if it's not your taste, it's just not your taste. You know, just like I don't like cottage cheese. I think that stuff belongs in the trash. But many people do like it <laughs> because they're still selling it. So, you know, and I don't begrudge anyone who wants to eat trash, but. <laughs> I do. If you eat cottage cheese, you're gross. As someone who does read romance, um, I do appreciate you, Christina, because um, the publisher who shall not be named um, is typically the way in which I'd received most of my, because I, I don't read, okay. Um, I'm going to not be PC for a second. I don't read white people romance. Oh, I don't. Hey, me neither. 
I don't really care about them. The same way in which they don't care about us being in love is the same way that I don't care about them being in love. That sounds really fucked up, but it's the honest to God's truth. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I have no desire, like, at all. And and with, with reading books that come from the publisher that shall not be named, um, I, I don't even, like, I just have to, like, uh, one of um, the biggest African-American romance writers ever um, publishes maybe three to four books a year, and it's gotten to the point now where I'm just buying them to keep the collection up as opposed to being genuinely excited about her releasing a new book. Mm -hmm. um, whereas, conversely, with you, I'm like, oh, okay, let me see what's going to be going down in this little fictional town that create, uh, created by Christina, because I know, <laughs> you know it's about to get real. Um, and again, I'm not just blowing smoke, because I don't really have time for that. Um, <laughs> and it's it, it's refreshing to see real people have real mistakes and it's not um, and another thing that I spoke about in the Eric Jerome Dickey um, episode was like how people write conversations um, and you know it's not overly done with the oh darling let us go you know like it can, it can get really it's not sanitized um, which I feel like a lot of the novels under the publisher who shall not be named are, um, and I don't know if I, I don't know if I'm just not the audience to whom those books are necessarily targeted. So that's why, because I, 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 people cuss, I cuss all day. Like yeah. you know, you're you're not gonna say, oh darn, oh sugar plums, like you <laughs> like. They say that in Fifty Shades of Grey. I'm sure they do. She probably says fiddlesticks and things of that nature. Um, oh my! I, I don't have time for the pearl clutching and like I just need people to be real. And when your characters are angry, they're not like I am so angry with you right now. They're like you, mm, 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 you know, like they they're real. They're 3D people. They're they are people that I could see myself having interactions with on a daily basis, and that would live in the world that I live in and have experiences that I have. Um, so that's uh, something that I think um, is very important and very needed, um, especially in a romance genre, because like I said, um, most of the ones that I see um, that are mainstream don't really give me that. Um, exceptions to the rule, um, of course, every once in a while, but not too often. Um, and in that way, I want to kind of, Switch gears a little bit um, and get you to talk about this latest series um, that you've just released the third book for, the Serendipitous series, which uh, Tamika mentioned. Uh, shoot. Um, didn't mean to love you. Didn't mean to love you, yes, um, earlier, which is book dose in the series. Um, so for our readers who are not, I mean, readers, Jesus, am I drinking tonight? Um, <laughs> listeners who are not previously acquainted with you, um, just give them a quick rundown of the series. Um, the books that are in it and characters and things of that nature. Okay. Um, well, the series, the Serendipitous Love series is, you know, obviously accidental discovery of love um, from these different people who are just kind of living life all in this same, um, This I don't want to call it self-contained, but um, it's, it's very much a neighborhood where everybody kind of knows each other 
everybody kind of takes care of each other, different things of that nature. Um, in the first book, A Crazy Little Thing Called Love, we meet um, Simone, who owns the flower shop. She's, she's one of the newest business owners on the block, and she's been so consumed um, for the last few years with, with, with getting her business set up and, you know, everything that comes along with that, that her personal life has, got, has just gotten neglected. And she looks up one day, um, sparked by this, this cute meeting, this quote-unquote cute meet with, um, with Roman, who is another business owner on the block. He owns the coffee shop down the street. And just that little, just that tiny interaction um, just kind of sparks her to, for, for the summer, is in that, that one takes place during the summer, and she's like, I'm not going to be boring anymore. Um, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to do, you know, something a little more spontaneous than maybe I normally would. Um, yeah, she, she gets down. Um, <laughs> but her and Roman meet, and they have sex way too soon, and then some other stuff happens. I'm, I'm, well, I'll go, just go ahead and say, spoiler alert, if you, <laughs> if you do plan on reading it and haven't read it, um, spoiler alert that he, she discovers that he has a child that he had not mentioned. But they had, only, they had only known each other for like a week, and so it's not like he was hiding the little girl from her or anything like that. He just hadn't, you know, they just hadn't had that conversation yet. But the, the more the... The part that's more of a sticking point is the fact that the child's mother actually... Don't tell him! Don't tell him! Oh, <laughs> oh, I was crying. I was I said spoiler alert, but if they read the reviews, someone someone has already told it all in the reviews. Um, <laughs> Saying that because, you know, I got to that point and I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, ooh, so this... And I have not had a book make me do the what in a long time. So. Like, and I have been rooting for Rome the whole time, so I was like, oh, Rome. <laughs> and see, that that's one of those things that I was that I was talking about earlier. I know I'm getting off topic, but <laughs> that's one of the things that I was talking about earlier. I didn't know Roman was going to do that. Um, when I when I started writing this book. I didn't know that was going to happen, but, you know, I'm writing, you know, they're, they're vibing. He's showing her, you know, he's showing her his coffee shop and they're, you know, they're, they're just kind of vibing with each other. And I was like, this is going way too good. Somebody's about to mess something up. And I didn't know who was going to mess anything up, but I knew somebody was going to mess something up because I very, very vividly had the scene in my head where they're walking down the street and he breaks this news to her and her going off. Like, I had that part in my head, but I didn't know what it was. Um, I didn't know what it was that happened. And then I think I was, when I'm, when I'm trying to go to sleep at night, what I do is I think through what's happened so far in whatever project that I'm working on, and I think about where it's supposed to go. And it popped in my head right then. This motherfucker's got a kid. You know, <laughs> and, and it, I'm sorry, I hope I can curse. Yes, you can. <laughs> Okay. It's not it's the kid, so you absolutely. <laughs> but that popped in my head, and I, then I was like, "But wait a minute, you know, having a kid, you know, he's Roman is like thirty-five years old, so that's not that's not that's not abnormal, you know, that's not a big deal." 
I was like, so why is it such a big deal? You know, even that, even though he hasn't said anything to her, even though, you know, but like, like I said, it had only been a week and they had been like, they're both business owners. So they had been super, super busy, you know, during that week between. So they hadn't talked much. So it wasn't really like they had the best opportunity to do this, to have this conversation. And then I discovered, wait a minute, you know, I'm trying to think, you know, what kind of, you know, what is the child's mother like? There we go. All right. Okay, my app was. I think it was, I think that was actually probably me because my app actually froze up when I was trying to call you guys back. Uh huh. Okay, so you were telling us about the um, what you call it? The plot twist in um. Yeah. Oh, I was telling too much about <laughs> about the plot twist in the book, but um, oh, where was I? Anyway, I was trying to figure out, you know, who Leah, the child's mother, is, and you know, I was discovering, okay, she's not this stereotypical baby mama type of character. And so from there, I was able to figure out what actually happened. But um, but they ended, they ended up bringing it back together. And I actually got um, in several reviews, um, oh, Simone is stupid. You know, I wouldn't have gone back into that situation. But at the same time, it's like Roman was a good guy. Roman was not interested. Um, well, I'm telling Anyway, <laughs> you know, Roman, I think that, I don't think that Simone was stupid for going back to Roman. I think that Roman was absolutely, you know, stand-up guy. Um, and obviously, you know, they end up they end up getting together, working it out, so on and so forth. I've told way too much <laughs> of the story on that one. And I want to tell more, but I'm going to. I have to read it. Right. I'm going to leave some things to the imagination. I guess. And there are plenty of more there are plenty more old crap moments in that book. So Yeah, what I <laughs> what I what I gave away happens very early in the book. Like it happens in like chapter two or three of the book. So there's still, you know, a lot more to come along with that one. Um and then in Didn't Mean to Love You, we meet two characters that I introduced in a crazy little thing called Love. Um, Vivian and Carter. Um, Vivian is the chocolatier who owns the shop next door to uh, next door to Posh Petals, next door to Simone. And Carter is a little further down the street, um, and he owns the barber shop. He inherited the barber shop, and Viv and Carter are actually neighbors as well. And they've kind of, you know, had their eye on each other. But she was dating someone, and so he, you know, he kind of fell back. And then she breaks up, you know, the, the book opens with her, you know, with her leaving home after, you know, after this guy. Well, she didn't, <laughs> they didn't break up. She found out, you know, via social media, she found out something else that was happening. And so, okay. you know. <laughs> okay, don't tell that one. That yeah, I'm not going <laughs> yeah, so um They end up sparking, um, they end up sparking more of a friendship than they had had before, you know, because they were both kind of keeping their distance from each other because they both felt that spark of interest. But, you know, with her dating someone, obviously, you know, neither wanted to cross that line. But um, so it develops into a friendship. And as usually happens with people who say they're going to be just friends, but they're attracted to each other, um, it develops into more. And one of them, you know, well, I don't either, neither of them, you know, wanted to, wanted it to develop into what it developed into, but it did. And then things get kind of sticky and <laughs> they have to figure out, um, figure out where to go from there. And in this one, there are also family issues that come into play 
on both ends, um, family issues that really affect the way that they interact with each other and also the way that they approach love and relationships, period. And they both have to work through those and find a resolution for those issues before they're able to come back together and, you know, figure out how to make their relationship work. And that kind of leads into book three, which is Fall in Love Again, where I introduce new characters, but Viv and Carter, um, Viv and Carter actually get more airspace in that book than anyone, than any of the other previous characters. But Fall in Love Again is about Nixon and Charlie, who are, who actually grew up on on this fictional block, and they um, they used to date. They were very, very, very hot and heavy. They were actually engaged, and then you know they end up breaking up, and she marries someone else and moves away. And then um, I mean, you find out pretty early in the book that her husband goes to jail for securities fraud. And so <laughs> I don't think that that that's not really a spoiler. You find that out in like the first five pages of the book. Okay. But, um, he goes to jail, and so she. And the, the FBI and, you know, the SEC and all of these people have descended into her life and they're freezing accounts and, you know, now none of her customers from her business trust her anymore. And so she kind of takes off and goes back. She goes back home. She goes back, you know, to where her family and friends are, where everybody was before she left. And she and Nixon own a business together. Um, they own a restaurant called Pot Liquor. And they... Um, because they're forced back into this into this close space together. It's like when they were just, you know, corresponding through email about the workings of the business, it was not fine, but, you know, it was easy to, you know, kind of be cold and, you know, separate yourself from it. But once they're back to back in close quarters together, things just kind of escalate and snowball from there with 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 them falling in love again, and like I said, I, I love a happy ending. So when you pick up one of my books, um, you can you can expect that the couple is going to end up together at the end. And so you know, there's there's that. But but the twists yeah. and turns are so good. And yeah. even though you have a happy ending, it's not perfect. Yeah, it's not always getting married and having a baby. Sometimes it is getting married and having a baby, but sometimes it's just okay, we, we made it through all of this, we're going to be together, you know, whatever be together means. Like, not in this series, but in another, um, in another book, I got complaints that, you know, that the couple didn't even, didn't even exchange I love yous. You know, they just finally got together at the end, you know, no obstacles where they were both accepting that they wanted to be with each other. Um, and people, people wanted, you know, wait, 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 wait a minute. They're not going to move in together or nothing. You, you know, yeah. you're going to leave it here. And I mean, yeah, I just left it there. But um, I did write a follow-up book about other characters, and you got a little bit more there. But I even got, I even got, you know, a pretty similar complaint there. And in that book, I left a postscript, like a little extra, you know, this you gave them extra, which they should not. <laughs> I got complaints about that. I, I didn't like this. You know, you shouldn't have told us this if you weren't going to give us the full story. And I'm like, well, I did give you the full story. I gave you everything that they gave me. You know, I, I'm, I can't just say, hmm, well, and this is just me. This is just me. You know, I can't just say, well, now I want them to have some drama here. And they're going to have some drama there. They're going to have drama over here. I'm just putting down what I'm feeling from the characters. I'm putting down what they gave me. And they gave me the end of their story where I ended it. 
And then I saw that little extra piece in the future. So I gave that too. And that still wasn't good enough for, for some people, you know. Largely I got a good I got a really, really good response to to both of those books. Well, you know, but, every, every um Every story doesn't end the way that people think it should end or doesn't begin the way that people think it should begin. And I think it, it lends itself no matter what type of book it is or what I know people have expectations when it comes to what a romance book should be like. But I mean, if the story is over, it's just over. Stop harassing Christina. about I don't get that, you know, from, <laughs> you know, so I don't want to make it seem like that. But I, I have gotten it before. But something you said, you know, about the book maybe not beginning or ending the way that you think that it should. Um, I hate that. I hate that. Like that. If 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 I had to name one pet peeve in reviews, it's people telling me what I should have done in the story that I wrote. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like I think that that you know you have to give you know musicians, artists, authors. You know people who create stuff. You have to give them room to you know. To, to, to practice their craft in the way that feels right for them, not in the way that you think it should happen, you know, in the way that feels right for them. And just appreciate, you know, appreciate what they gave as what they gave. If you didn't like it, you didn't like it. That's, you know, that that's a whole other thing. But, you know, if you, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't like being told what I should have done. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm a rebel. Like, I don't like being told what to do in, in life. So I understand. <laughs> yep. I understand. Well, I wanna thank you so much um for your stories and for 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 all that you've put out. I mean, I got so much more out of this podcast than I expected. Um you laid you you know, you preached a sermon and <laughs> You gave some good insight and gave some good advice, and I love what you're doing for telling um, our stories, particularly about black love. Um, and I think that's awesome. Um, and so I know that you have a gift for our listeners. Yes, um, I would like to. Um, I'm, are we doing it like by leaving a comment, or is it going to be picked randomly? I'm not sure. I will leave that to <laughs> I will leave that to Tamika and Jeanette. Um, but I do want to give away two copies of the series of books. Um, so yeah, two two sets of the series of the Serendipitous Love series to uh, I guess two lucky listeners. Okay, I am. What about? We don't. We didn't plan this part ahead. What about <laughs> if you leave a comment? on this episode um, and tell us the tell us about a cute meat. Is that what it's called? Cute, yeah. Tell us yeah. about <laughs> tell us about a meat cute or a cute meat that you have had and we um, will pick from the best. And I want to nobody knew I was gonna do this, but because I love love too, <laughs> I want <laughs> to give away an additional um, three copies of my favorite uh, Christina Jones book, Didn't Mean to Love You. So um, hey. if you want those, so there'll be a chance for a first place winter, winter, winner, a second place, a third, and a fourth. So that's, that's four places. The top four stories will get a prize and we'll post the results to our, our site. Two better than the movie, TimesSquarespace.com. Um, thank you so much. Where can we find you on the internet, Christina? Uh, I am... Pretty much everywhere, um, and pretty much everywhere that you can find me is beingmrsjones.com, B-E-I-N-G, 
M-R-S-J-O-N-E-S. That's my website, www.beingmissjones.com. I am at Being Mrs. Jones on Twitter and on Facebook. Um, that's actually the the URL, the URL of my Facebook page is Being Mrs. Jones as well, and on Instagram. Um, I'm, that's what I am. All I ask that everybody please check out and support um, Christina because she is an awesome writer. She's been a good, excellent inspiration for a slacker like myself in writing. Alrighty. Uh-huh. Well, thank you so much again, Christina, for coming on and talking to us. Um, this has been really enjoyable. I hope I was a good guest. I, you, were, I could, you were a good guest. You were informative and you were entertaining. And like I said, I really enjoyed it. Um, I really enjoyed the conversation. Uh, please, 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 please um, subscribe to us on iTunes because we now are a thing there. Okay. Um, if you search better than the movie, in the iTunes store, we do pop up. We have a teal cover um, that is just like Oof. the one that's on our website. Mm-hmm. Um, we are also on the Twitter at Better Than TM. That's B E T T E R T H A N T M um, because Better Than the Movie was too long. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll be on Facebook eventually. And you can always email us. You can always email us at betterthanthemovie at gmail.com. Um, you can leave us comments on our website, which is better than the movie at, oh, geez, better than the movie dot squarespace.com. Um, hopefully, working on getting a less cumbersome mm-hmm. um, URL pretty soon. Um, you can it. find oh, no. both of us um, <laughs> on the Twitter individually if you'd like to follow either of us. Um, I am at LitFangirl, that's L-I-T-F-A-N-G-R-L And I am at Miss Halion, that's M-I-S-S underscore H-E-L-L-I-O-N um, That is our show. Thanks for listening guys and we'll see you. So, will we see you? No, because this is audio. But we'll, <laughs> we'll see you in the in the tweets. We'll see you in those tweets. All right.